The Dangerous Twisted Mystery Podcast. Less cozy, more ugly. Warping listeners' minds since 2022. Music by Dangerous. Narrated by Twisted. Chapter 39. Food Groups. A knock at Legacy's door set a whirlwind dinner into motion. Wagner entered with four grocery bags. She unpacked the contents of one bag that contained a vast array of cooking utensils. The other bags held a range of food that afforded her the latitude to make almost anything. She looked like a formal version of one of the cheery waitresses that one would find in a nostalgic fine eatery. Black tights tapered up her legs to a short black skirt with a white silk shirt tucked in. This was the first time that Legacy had seen her out of a suit. This was her version of casual. Not a hair out of place or a single beaded cuff lace turned in unto itself. Legacy looked down at Chess and found that she wore a delighted smirk on her face as she introduced herself. I'm Chess. Wagner looked at Legacy, waiting for an introduction. He could tell by her amusement that it was a test. Uh, Agent Wagner, Legacy clarified. The sight of her father's meticulously presented partner must have made the insides of her mind race. He decided this because she was completely without comment. I could use help with dessert? Chess politely accepted the invitation. A look of conspiracy crossed Wagner's face as she led Chess into the kitchen. She had no idea what kind of cook her apprentice was. Chess found ways to ruin almost any food product. Neglect was her favorite tool. She was famous for burning popcorn, Hot Pockets, and Easy Mac, the trifecta of simple microwave foods. Legacy waved, then turned to hide an amused concern about what would come through those doors next. Quail stuffed with saffron and rosemary, shiitake mushroom stuffing, a three-point injection of the meat with a raspberry jalapeno butter that added just enough spice to make the red pepper parmesan rice seem tame. Any vegetarians? Wagner asked, serving the placemats rather than the people sitting in front of them. None, Chess answered. This looks delicious. I can't take credit. Chess did most of the sauces. Legacy perked up. Under strict supervision. My father was a gourmet chef. He said that if I spent as much time cooking as I did training to put a man twice my size through a wall, I'd be in one of the top kitchens in Paris right now. Wagner said in a tone that indicated she was more proud of her father's opinion than that of her own culinary abilities. Your father must be disappointed, Legacy said, before he could put his normal social graces in check. Dad, Chess shot back at him. Observation, not insult, he responded. He's a broken man. He reminds me of you. Wagner spun her knife over her knuckles like a complete pro, changing grip from cutting to attacking, and leveled the tip at the breast of the quail. Chess was so impressed that she imitated the move with her fork, and it ended up on the floor after skidding off the tablecloth. Legacy looked on as something very important happened. Instead of looking after the fork, both girls looked at each other. It was a moment of inclusion, something that Legacy realized he'd never been able to teach his daughter in their solitary life. Legacy noticed with a strange contentment that he was not part of that moment. And in the moment, the symphonic oddity of Wagner's presence in their dining room was drowned out with a combined laughter of Chess and her in a kind of diminished harmony, poking fun at Legacy. 
There would only be ten or more times like that, where they ganged up on him, or he was the object of their surprisingly like-minded but well-meaning ridicule. Well-meaning ridicule was a concept that seems like a contradiction until one becomes a father to a daughter. The drive to get attention from their father, especially a stoic one like Legacy, becomes a full-time occupation. The dirt collected can't be flung back into the face of the parent. That shows lack of respect, and Chess had more respect for her father than anyone in her life. It's complicated, but it couldn't have been too painful because, at the end of the meal, Legacy asked Chess for a glass of wine and sat at the table enjoying it rather than taking scotch in the study alone. You must be having a blast, Chess said as she poured the wine and set it in front of her father. Legacy took a sip. There was a dusty residue that rose to the top of the glass. Wagner and Chess cleared the plates, a series of clanks and drumming of footsteps in the kitchen, and the door opened. It was dessert time. Chess and Wagner brought down the house with their personal crockery cups of creme de leche custard presented along with a display of butane torch mastery. Wagner caramelized the sugar around the edge of the cup, then scorched a cursive monogram into the top layer. When she came to her own, she didn't even bother with her own initials, saying it was all for display. That didn't sit well with Legacy, who grabbed the torch and scorched A.W. into the top of hers, while the ladies watched on, laughing. Martin, I'm surprised you knew my first name. Her lips pouted ever so slightly. It stands for Agent Wagner. The pout became real, until she lifted her eyes to his deep chestnut pupils, and he added, Angela? Legacy simply uttered, Got you. She could have stabbed him, she was so pleased. The dinner was one of those meetings of strangers that go much better than planned. It was the very discord of their personalities that worked that night, under that roof, in a way that none of them had seemed prepared for. At around 7.30, as the last of the dishes hit the drying rack, Chess piped up, Can I be excused? I'm beat. Something didn't sit well with Legacy. A hair trigger went off in his mind, and the last sentiment of the night was not going to be serious. What was Chess up to? You bugged my room. No, I was just going to listen at the door. This case, it's very sensitive. His tone was protective. Dad, I know what you're working on. How? Wagner said. It's all over the papers. The country is treating this like the baby down the well situation. Excuse the crude analogy, but there's really nothing pleasant to compare this to. She turned to Chess. Your father is right, though. Stay away from the door. Legacy wasn't ready to have real conversations in front of a third party. Chess sensed his growing displeasure and chimed in. After hearing a mature discourse of my elders, I choose... She flipped her hair, posing for her father as a model child. To reread the Gnostic Gospels and go to bed. A quick peck on the forehead was one last joke at her father's expense, and she left the room. Wagner verbalized what Legacy was almost always thinking. She's great. Legacy agreed, dipping into a proud tone. I know. Three hours later, they were fast-forwarding through tape, looking at sections that Legacy had highlighted from the transcripts. Transcripts that could hardly be read, so much so that Legacy would point to the next section or read off time code rather than verbalize what was said on camera by the participants. They sat in the middle of an escalating paper explosion that covered all flat surfaces in the room and spilled onto the floor, radiating out from the television and chairs. 
Every interview and every page of analysis of the case was in that room and had passed through Legacy's hands before landing in its current resting spot. Legacy consistently surprised Wagner by the ability to locate whatever document he needed by standing in the middle of the room and accessing some kind of internal topographic catalog that he charted off the constellations of the pictures on the walls. Wagner noticed that the pictures and captions were the only things allowed on the walls and that all text documents were confined to resting surfaces. Nothing was filed or inside a drawer of any kind. He had explained upon her first visit that once things were out of sight, they were, for him, truly out of mind. Wagner flipped forward to another section of the tape, almost an hour after the one they'd been viewing. She was tired of sliding backwards and forwards, looking for sections of the videos where the participants spoke. It was an assault to her visual cortex, all of the positions being changed, the wide shots turning to close-ups, and the impersonal nature of the unnatural speed made a very real document seem like a cartoon. Legacy could tell that she was frustrated by the process. Asking Legacy to change his ways was like staring up at the stars and asking for some new pictures. She took out her laptop and then produced a plastic notebook filled with dividers and discs. Using her DVD drive and a piece of software called Time Code Crunch, she located the next section of the transcript by typing in the time provided by the transcript and playing forward on the DVD. We've already got a system going here, Agent. It took only seconds to get a still image of the group on camera. She hit play and Blue's voice crackled over the speaker as a static complaint. She moves like a cat, but she doesn't purr enough. The camera moved into a close-up on purple. Freeze that! Legacy studied the clear digital signal on the screen. Two sadistic eyes peered out of the form-fitting purple mask. That's good. A pure form of human viciousness seemed to deflect light away from purple. Legacy soaked it up, and his voice became sinister too. Oh, he's a killer, and he enjoys what he's doing. Wagner looked over and saw that Legacy had a chart of important moments for blue, brown, green, yellow, and purple. Legacy had put that moment in the purple column. She asked, How did you know that blue was talking directly to purple? A frown creased Legacy's even brow. I always know who he's talking to. In fact, you could read any line off the transcript, and I could tell you the speaker. Wagner picked a paper out of the stack and read, uh, How does that feel? Full sentence, please, Legacy demanded. What? If it's, how does that feel, cunt, it's purple. If it's, how does that feel, bitch, it's yellow. Brown says, how's about that, baby? And Green never talks to her directly. He'll say, do you think she's had enough? Or, I think she's done. Blue doesn't ask questions, he gives orders. Legacy was distracted, already moving on to the next moment in the video. Give me the time numbers on the side of the transcript, and I'll pull the moments that you highlighted up. Afterwards, I can give them 20-second handles and compile a DVD reel of all of them. If he was impressed, he decided not to exhibit it. Legacy rolled a pearl of wisdom around the tip of his tongue. New ways aren't always better. Just this time. Almost an hour passed without a word. It was just the tapping of keys and the screech of a computer speakers giving split-second snapshots of the visual on screen. Groans, screams, and foul language were the usual accompaniment. It sounded like a haunted house, with all the edges rounded off and all the sharp objects blunted by the distant nature of the evil. It barely seemed real. 
Legacy had to remind himself that these images were being broadcast. They surrounded and penetrated walls and buildings into the most civilized recesses of everywhere. Legacy filled up his time while Wagner was compiling the disc, tracing a thousand obscure connections on the walls, eyes darting between pictures and reports, transcripts and diagrams. He knew he could step into the settings of any of the abductions and feel the grass or gravel beneath his feet. Legacy prepared himself to lay in wait at each location and ready himself for the next abduction. He only noticed that Wagner was done when she stood directly in his line of sight, holding up a disc. Make a fresh pot of coffee and I'll show you what I've been up to. She was in a hurry to show Legacy the compilation of video. In the dead of night, with a coffee pot spitting out steamy gasps of water into a basket, Wagner flipped her notebook open on the counter. Legacy watched the first few clips like a conductor watching the trains come in and out of the station. No surprises, it was clockwork, but he had to be there to confirm the previously formed schedule of expectation. Green never showed on camera on Mondays. Purple liked to mark Laura so that his smell would stay on her during the shoot. He'd wipe the sweat under his arms above her top lip or spit some of his sticky tobacco-brown spittle onto a lock of her hair, then curl it down around her cheek. Yellow and brown got the dirty work, the kinds of things professionals get paid extra for. They did them on command, trained dogs, and they never initiated anything without Blue telling them. Green was always the first out of the room, and the only one of them who routinely seemed to set his own schedule. He would walk out and in without a word from Blue. Knowing the temperament of Blue, Legacy was sure, after watching the tape, that Green had some kind of essential job outside of the shoot. The girls' faces changed with each cut, but the behavior of the men seldom changed at all. When did that line start coming up? Legacy pointed to a message that scrolled across the bottom of the video. Any disruption of this video webcast by federal authorities will result in the termination of the subject. It was on some of the clips, but not on others. That comes from Brittany. She was in the crosshairs when it became a federal investigation. And the minute our people yanked on the wires of the internet distributors and put out our feelers on where the money went, this message popped up, Wagner responded. Blue put it up. Legacy watched another clip where the image was framed slightly low. He leaves room in the frame for his message. That's no accident. He controls every aspect of the images we see. Wagner watched as three more examples of Blue's camera work flashed across the screen, each keeping the content high in the frame. Push him and he responds with a threat, Wagner said. Speaking of responses, where is that section I put a star by in my notes? That's the section where I need another set of eyes. It's what I wanted you to look at the other day, Wagner said. It's about an hour away. Legacy replied, Fast forward. Wagner hit him with a quaint smile. Fast forward. How does one fast forward a disc with digital information? The chiding look reminded Legacy of why he needed a female perspective on the next clip. There were some things that Legacy could not process, and although he knew that the clip was significant, he didn't know exactly why the alarms had gone off in his head. There, Legacy said, seeing the image materialize on the screen at a touch of a button. That's it. A thin trickle of blood cut a path down Laura's raised, bound wrists, making a line of crimson that would soon soak into the raven slope of her hair. She spoke. 
You don't get to control everything. See it in my eyes. The words repeated in his mind. It was a flash of desperation, set jaw. Nothing about the delivery of the words could be found at any other time in the transcript. They were the words of a girl pushed to her limits. Legacy recognized those limits. Having come up against his own and having pushed others into facing their own on so many occasions in the past. This was a raw tap into Laura, and what she was saying had a fanatic importance. I know Laura, and that's not her. Legacy looked up and saw shock in Wagner's face. Wagner said, she's terrified. Look past that. She has a purpose. Terrified people want to give up. She wants something else. Something about her eyes, line of sight, something she's seen or wants us to see, Legacy responded. The lines around her eyes are drawn by her. They line the inner eyelids. The curves match the curves on the fertility lines that she paints on her body. The eyeliner marks indeed bulged and curved, creating a striking pattern like the eye was in full blossom. Your experts say that she draws those lines to exert control over her body, but the patterns... Legacy couldn't quite grasp the meaning. The runes are gibberish. We've had teams of people looking for any hidden meanings, and they found nothing. She wants you to look at her eyes. Legacy and Wagner turned toward the voice. Chess stood in the dark hallway. Chess, glad to have you eavesdropping. Come in. His voice was so calm, he couldn't possibly be furious underneath. I'd rather stay here, she replied. Dear, you shouldn't be seeing this, Wagner said. Chess stepped out of a long shadow onto the linoleum of the kitchen. Her face glowed in the yellow light, and her eyes sparkled. She had something in her mind that she knew would make her father happy, and all of the grotesque circumstances melted away under the bare feet as she walked to the computer. Find a frame where she blinks. She watched Wagner advance the video until the eyes were closed and motionless. Legacy and Wagner stared at the screen. A wave of energy crashed outward as they saw the message in a bottle that Laura had been so careful to guard from her captors and yet so desperate to have others find. Etched in dark lines on her eyelids were two perfect symbols slightly out of character with the older glyphs that decorated her body. Legacy recognized them immediately. It's Mandarin. Hey, wah. Chess sounded out the words. What does it mean? Wagner asked, eyes wide. Nothing, Legacy said. But Laura obviously had something to say. And now, they were listening. Wagner threw her arms around Legacy's neck, and he stood, hauling her off the ground. She rocked back onto her feet, and Legacy's hands gripped her tight by the shoulders. He looked like he wanted to say something, but then came another input from the room. Chess smiled. I'll go. Legacy turned. He had almost forgotten how much he wanted to kill his daughter. The smile didn't help. She'd used that smile to get away with murder from the age of six to ten. He knew that if she was going back that far, she must know that she was in a childish kind of trouble. He whirled on her, and looking down the bump on his nose, expressionless, and her smile crashed upon those rocks... She turned and walked out of the room, allowing herself a skip as she turned the corner onto the shag carpet. It was a move that Legacy was not intended to see. The irregular footsteps let him know that she was proud of herself, no matter how angry he was. It was an act of rebellion that only a father and daughter with a very complicated playbook could have called.
The room chest left came alive with activity in her absence. Wagner was on her feet. We should turn this over to IT to isolate the blink frames. Legacy responded. That'll take too long. I know someone who will have it done overnight. Wagner was incredulous. But we need to report this up the chain immediately. This could be a major break in the case. Let's find out. Legacy pulled out his cell phone. Who is up at 3 a.m.? Tyke was always up at 3 a.m. In fact, he called the time between 3 and 5 his morning prime time. It was the time he liked to be at one with himself, with no interruptions. Tonight, prime time was preempted by legacy time. This should be easy for you, Legacy said into the phone. That's not fair, Legacy, Tyke snorted in disgust. You know that everything is easy for me. Then stop being so versatile. I've got another call coming in. At three, Legacy set down the phone, allowing himself a moment to enjoy Tyke's indignation. There was something satisfying and amusing about chipping away at someone who thought they had no weaknesses. Legacy excused himself, then went down the hallway to Chess's bedroom to unruin her life. What you saw on that screen was ugly, and I don't want anything ugly like that to touch you. Do you understand? Legacy started, looking directly into Chess's eyes. The hall light flooded the dark room, and Father paced in front of his daughter, creating a slow strobe pattern of light on her face. It was indeed the first time I've ever seen anything like that, so it will make a lasting impression, Chess countered. Legacy's chest caved in defeat. It was like the air inside of him turned solid, but every method of exhaust would just pollute the air between him and his daughter further. He sighed instead of speaking. I'm just kidding, Dad. There was a porno on Veronica's big screen half the night last sleepover. Which one's Veronica? His inflection rose. Legacy couldn't believe what he was hearing. The one you love. It's all over. At your age? Chess took her father's hand and pressed it onto her shoulder. He stood leaning delicately on her, testing reality like a grounding rod after a lightning strike. Did I help you with your case? Her eyes shone pure and true. Legacy answered, Yes. And could you make me one more promise? One that you also promise not to break? A smile lit her youthful face. It was the kind of expression that Legacy was beginning to miss, even before it went away. Anything, Dad. Legacy found their normal banter waiting for him as he crossed his hand over her forehead. Conform your life to the image I have of you inside my head until you're at least 21. If I can morph that image so that I can have a tiny tattoo on my shoulder, chest teased, Legacy strode towards the door and spoke into the open hallway. 21 it is, then. Chapter 40. Dog Tags. Between dust and dreams, there is life. It was a phrase barked at all the recruits, day and night. The saying was coined by the man who trained Legacy at Special Forces. He was a big man with loose vocal cords and could dig deep into a baritone and find just the pitch that made those words resonate. Legacy loved the phrase, partially because he had no idea what it meant. He remembered that it was used to motivate, the idea being that before a man returned to the earth, he had to work to make his imprint, or his life would be no different than a dream. But Legacy thought the words more closely stated, in fact, that life could be bent towards either the pursuit of death, dust, or alignment with the ideal, dreams. 
In Legacy's reading, every step away from the ideal was one closer to death. It was the kind of saying that kept a man's engine running. Legacy made it clear from the day he showed up at the age of 17 that he would not just get through this elite training, he would dominate it in every phase. There was a special forces test. The first week of training, everyone ran one mile a day. The second week, the run went up to two miles, twice a day. By week five, the men were expected to complete a full training regimen during the day while running five miles, five times a day. This was a marathon of will. It continued until half of the men who started the training dropped out. This occurred on the second day of the fifth week. Legacy didn't stop. It wasn't good enough to be in the top 50%. He continued running, five times a day, five miles. Others in his unit started joining him once or twice a day. This lasted until the third day of the seventh week, when Legacy did back-to-back seven-mile jogs, returning at 3 a.m. to find his training officer, Perkins, waiting for him at the barracks door. Legacy would never forget the words he imparted on that dewy, hot night. He said, I went through this ten years ago, and I didn't want to quit either. I ran the course until my legs were ready to explode. I quit on the second day of the seventh week. He paused and let Legacy appreciate the math. So get your ass nine hours of sleep and miss morning call. Oh, and if I see you on the trail again, I'll shoot you. Legacy scraped down the carpet to the study. His limits had been tested so often, two nights in a row without sleep was like a holiday. He saw Wagner slumped over her computer, deliberating over each image and recording the kanji characters in her notebook, glasses perched on the slim bridge of her nose, eyes marbled with red streaks like a good cut of meat. He gave up a little ground to encourage his fellow agent. We'll call a meeting in the morning. We shouldn't get to have all the fun ourselves. You need some sleep, he observed. Wagner stretched and let a drowsy look of contentment slip over her face. She pulled both arms out of the sleeves of her jacket, leaving it over the chair and standing in her white dress shirt. Legacy continued. We'll need a qualified linguist to go over all of our findings. So? Wagner purred in a husky, tired voice. Legacy watched her step out of her heels and sink an inch on the horizon line. She was still shoulder height and strangely provocative, holding a shoe in one hand and pulling a clip from her hair in the other. Legacy stared at the attractive pose standing in front of him, with one emotion flooding his thoughts. Fear. So where's the guest room? Wagner asked, passing by him on the way to the bathroom. I won't make it back to my motel for an hour of sleep before morning. Miss Morning Call, Legacy said. Like hell I will. She gave him a sidelong look over her shoulder as her hair cascaded around her face, a disheveled accent to the precision of all other aspects of her appearance. It was worthy of a series of photos. Legacy could see that she was in a vulnerable position and he needed to handle the matter better than he usually would. Asleep in your car. That's my advice. Wagner squeezed her face together, composing a mental diatribe against Legacy, constructed in three compelling movements. Legacy amended his statement. Or you could sleep on the couch in the living room. He busied himself, flipping through the transcript, and when he looked up ten minutes or perhaps three hours later, Wagner was gone. He could hear her steady breathing in the other room. It pushed him into a world of strange satisfaction. 
The next three days were like waves crashing on a dirty shore. Movement forward only to be suddenly pulled back, dragging hidden sediment, making the waters even more cloudy than ever. A period of stagnation, and it was a cakewalk compared to the complete ruin that would follow. The first wave came the next morning, when a section of staff linguists were called in to decipher the message that Laura sent via her eyelids. Wagner and Legacy entered the familiar conference room and were greeted by a posse of people who looked almost identical. The same glasses adorned the same thin, finicky faces. Not an ounce of fat in the room. The Surgeon General would be pleased. They made their presentation to a video conference image of Wilkes, not acknowledging the live audience on one side of the room. The only oddity in the group was their leader, Jay, a.k.a. Agent Lightning, had a sloppy, choppy delivery. The young leader of the Brain Trust spoke in a lower-class southern dialect, guaranteeing that his formally dressed and composed colleagues were nominally annoyed. Legacy knew of him. There was a connection between prodigies. He'd moved up the chain of command to his position simply because he'd soaked up words and culture in one swift linguistic stroke that none of the others could keep up with. There was no nuance that hid from him, even when studying the driest of textbooks. Within a week of starting a new language, he was reading the literature and writing academic critiques. They had even MRI'd his brain while he did this, and those images were the subject of much analysis across universities. The one language he vowed never to learn was French. French was like a frilly lady wearing too much parfume. That's what he said. He knew how to put together almost any sentence in a way that would piss off someone. It was a gift, and possibly why he still spoke in his country accent, having mastered hundreds of speech variations perfectly. Legacy liked him immediately. I've got good news. He waited a little longer than was comfortable before finishing with, and more good news. But let's get the confusing part out of the way first. The message the girl so artfully scratched on the outside of her eyeballs is nonsense. It means nothing. Taken word by word or put into clusters, groups, or structure loops. It is not a code either. And I'll tell you, that sent most of my team to the head scratcher. And they are still scratching. Wilkes showed impatience. What are you trying to say? The joy of being director of the linguistic division he drawled, is that I never try to say anything. I am exact with language, and that is why it even took me a while to catch on to what the agent was really saying. A gesture from Jay and the group sprung into action, holding up carefully prepared flip cards with the Chinese symbol and the translated meaning. Finally, the phonetic pronunciation. Legacy scanned down the definitions and instantly understood what Jay was talking about. It was gibberish, fish, Trail, dog, ear, water, immersion, cell. Even when the timeline was taken away, it was almost impossible to find a cohesive message. There was a strange moment when he looked over at Wagner, whose lips moved as she read and reread the words. She looked back while still chewing through the variations. She said, Tale of dog immersed in water. That uh, could be... What the hell could that be, Legacy? Legacy shrugged. He knew the answer was coming. It means nothing, no, right? But read the phonetics. Banish all accent. Fistogalu profoyuta. Jay waited for one of the audience to pick up the trail. There's more about her surroundings. 
Wagner was eager to continue the message. Da si Jenningzu. The first girl is in Provo, Utah. It's Darcy Jennings, the girl we've been looking for, the girl that marketed pornography to her high school classmates. Legacy was on a different track, silent but meaningful. He remembered a satellite part purchase from Tyke's List that went to Provo, and the date was the day after the drop-off of the last girl. They were narrowing the operational area of the vinyl men, and if they could find Darcy, they could stick a pin in the map. Jay was still speaking. Legacy caught up with him mid-sentence. The time she gives for sunrise and sunset do not make any sense. Legacy asked, What if she were in the mountains, sheltered under a peak? Jay pointed his pen at Legacy with enthusiasm, like he'd just won something at auction. That, sir, is why I have to take more interest in the world at large. Yes, an uneven surround could take minutes off one, and altitude could add to the other. I'll get someone qualified to work out that point. He was about to turn back to the screen, when curiosity shifted him back to face Legacy. You're the crazy one, aren't you? An audible gasp from his colleagues. Knowing the arsenal of syntax that Agent Lightning did meant that choosing a word like crazy was the harshest kind of cut possible. It meant that after searching through all the possible expressions, crazy, with all of its judgments, was the best. I prefer the term nutcase. Jay convulsed with laughter. He put a finger to the side of his nose and saluted Legacy while hardly missing a beat, jumping back into the presentation. The meeting concluded with Director Wilkes issuing orders to a team to scour the Provo area for Darcy Jennings. It was difficult for him because he was still entwined with Sophia. He had assigned manpower to investigate her as the possible first abductee. The wear on his face and the tear on his hairline, however, indicated to Legacy that he would take this new lead seriously and pursue it vigorously, no matter how much pride he had to choke down admitting he was wrong. Legacy felt like he needed to express his support for his boss, so he raised his voice before the meeting broke. He shared with everyone gathered at the table his own views on their work. I understand that there is much more freedom in being wrong. A person can be wrong in so many individual ways that it allows them to consider their mistakes as a part of their personality. I understand that some of you will, at some time, disagree with me. Wilkes' mouth had fallen open in disbelief. Legacy continued, It's not a character flaw to disagree with me. It's simply misplaced human ego. So, let's not make the same mistake again. Wilkes was unable to listen to more. One more thing? Legacy did not stop. Yes, thank you. So, in the future, believing me the first time will ultimately save time. Legacy finished with a varnished, affable smile. When he looked over at Wagner, her face was a mixture of disbelief and horror, but he knew that inside she agreed with him and was just too polite to say anything. Wagner mouthed the words, Shut up! Legacy took that as encouragement. Forget the mistakes of the past and concentrate on making the mistakes of the future. That's what all of you are best at. The end of the speech was met with complete silence. The only one in the room who could breathe was Agent Lightning. He seemed downright delighted by the whole display. He applauded and then began laughing until some of the others joined. He would be busy with his academic blog tonight. Then the meeting broke up and the participants scattered. 
A wave of federal activity in the shape of a troop of 30 Liberty Grade agents with two national advisors crashed into Provo, Utah that afternoon. The wave receded three days later, having found no trace of Darcy nor a single caffeinated drink to keep them company in their round-the-clock search. The messages on Laura's eyelids did produce one significant break, a fissure between Wilkes and Legacy. In classic Legacy fashion, he showed no signs of recognizing the cold wind that blew through the conference room every time they locked eyes. Things were rough all over. Even with the area around the vinyl men shrinking, there were over 200,000 square miles of territory within the band of mountainous area a day's drive from Provo. For every new development that inched them closer, there was a tick of the clock that punched them back. The office that Legacy and Wagner shared seemed to shrink, and the panic of finding solutions before the selection of the next girl hummed in the walls. If Legacy was right, there were only four days until the girl would be selected, and six before she'd be initiated. That initiation would come in front of an audience that was fusing the singularity of this perversion with the popularity of a fad. The money tally on Laura had grown into the tens of millions, and although the ransom target wasn't released until two days before the girl's release, it was hard to believe that Laura's wouldn't eclipse a hundred million dollars. This was just the money she earned in internet distribution. Legacy shuddered to think at the economic engine that direct-to-home sales would unleash. The buyers were everywhere. They should all be charged, and he wasn't just thinking about their credit cards. Wagner's discovery of a fertility treatment clinic that had a records fire in Grand Junction put one more dot on the map. But without Darcy, their only chance to seize control of this operation lay in wait in the next abduction. They had to be there when the group laid hands upon her and then ride that new stream of information back into the night. Since the discovery of the message on the eyelids, Wilkes had ordered that the video should be viewed frame by frame, mapped out item by item, the results were collected on a large-scale map on the wall of the conference room. Every product that appeared on screen should be followed back to any possible purchase point. A deck of bicycle cards in a gambling hall set would be traced back to the manufacturer, eventually found to be sold in 12,000 outlets in all 50 states. This data would be compared to the costumes and the chips and the felt on the table. If any one of them were slightly unique, they wanted to know and use special marking on the map to show the specific purchase must have been made from a specific shop. The board quickly became a dense stand of pine that spread from coast to coast, pins standing at attention almost on top of each other because of the props, costumes, and sets were more than just a gambling scene. It was a cheerleader trout in leather. It was a high school reunion with sex toys. It was a French country house bound in silk ribbons. It was, of course, a penitentiary conjugal visiting room. The agency had 10,000 active investigations, yet it functioned around this case. Every agent knew that putting these men behind bars meant more than a promotion. It was also the validation of the agency that they served. This abduction brought international scrutiny in the form of daily front-page headlines. No story in the history of the FBI had ever lasted this long under the constant watchful eye of the world. Up to 32 acts aired daily along an internet media pipeline that had almost the same audience as a cable network. Laura, the face of the nation's struggle against crime, was, 
at almost any moment of the day, sliding out of her clothes, standing amid her captors, treating them to the kind of intimate contact she would have prosecuted if she were in any other position. Wagner was watching the end of one of these sessions on the next day, when a hand reached in and turned off her screen. Legacy stood over her. Lacking a response, she said, They pierced her tongue. Don't get caught up in what's happening now. It's all about what comes next. Work on that. Wagner instead told Legacy of the new directive to examine every frame of the video. He sneered. Legacy couldn't believe that every time he gave his superiors information, they misconstrued it, wasting time and effort. He told them to look for a biker group and a first victim. Instead, they jumped at the first biker and victim they could find. It didn't matter that Legacy's report told them that the bikers would not be moving around the victim, or that the victim would exhibit a fear of her captors. They'd wasted 36 hours on Sophia. Now they were looking frame by frame because he'd found a message on specific moments in the video. They weren't building a theory on Blue and how Laura's elaborate message delivery, which almost had eluded their collective efforts, said something about how much she respected the intellect of her captor. They instead were cataloging a museum of terrors and graphing the results like lost sheep. Two more days wasted. He looked at Wagner for a moment, saw in her face how much she wanted to be one of them. He reached down below her desk and pulled the plug on her computer monitor. I'm going to have some lunch. He disappeared out of the room. She thought of following him, but decided to utilize the time with him out of the room. Legacy had been working on the same flip chart since just after the dinner the night before. He said he'd show her when the time was right. Wagner decided, in his absence, that the time was right. It was not at all what she'd expected. It was an organized flowchart of all the women who would certainly be on television during the three-and-a-half-hour window during which Blue would pick his next victim. Every name was given a color that must have corresponded to their profession, their ages written beside, and a passport photo was stapled above. Notes like, Blue might like her position of power, or not a step up, feathered the margins on a perfect diagonal from the chart text. It looked like a sketch Leonardo da Vinci would have presented. It was so symmetrical in its freehand form that it verged on artistic. The fact that he was capable of such organization surprised her. Every picture had two breakdown columns, Legacy's comments and Blue's comments. The style of commentary in Legacy's box was familiar, factual, and unemotional. Blue's comments were erratic and sometimes vulgar. Although she knew that they came from the same pen, she could hardly believe that the division could be explained within one man. It was here that she saw the disturbing nature of Legacy's gift. He could crawl so far into the mind, usually a criminal, that the vulgarity became the second part of his own nature. Every time he undertook to write notes as blue, his mind went to a place that could not be explained. And in those moments, it's exactly who Legacy was. He was a killer, liar, rapist and cheat, sitting cross-legged in his study, daughter sleeping down the hall at night. Wagner's eyes scanned the pages, and she imagined so many faces. Was there any way to be sure that Blue would even be looking when this one or that one flashed across the screen? Reading the margins, her heart began to race, and sweat beaded on her upper lip. Wagner burst into the women's restroom, fidgeting with the buttons on her blouse, 
One by one they popped open, showing a hint of a peach satin bra. Her heart thundered. Is this a panic attack? She thought. How can I trust him? Was she going crazy? Was she beginning to believe? And did the answer yes to one of those questions presuppose the answer of yes to another? She assessed the damage in the mirror. Her face looked perfect. It could have been worse. But then again, the weakness of a reflection is that it only showed the outside.